Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. G'day mates, it's Bee Buster here. And before the episode begins, I would just like to let you know that Be Scared, which is produced along with Studio 71, features scary stories from around the globe on a weekly basis that aim to fuel your nightmares with a smile. And if you enjoy the podcast, it would be great if you could hit that subscribe button and drop a review. Thanks for listening, guys. And without further ado, let's begin. For background, my family moved to the countryside from the city when I was about seven years old, and I'm 21 now. Both my parents had grown up in the suburbs and had also lived in the capital of our state for about 10 years before we moved. It definitely took us some time to get used to the train tracks that ran by our house, the wild animals, the weird but kind neighbours, and the odd visitors as well. Another thing too is that you have to get off the main road and turn onto a long gravel drive to get to our house. We can see the entire length of the driveway from certain points in our yard, which is about three acres. So, a few years after we moved in, my dad actually got a promotion at work and, as a result, started to go to conferences and business trips that lasted from a few days to a week at times, at least a couple of times a year. My mum felt nervous about being home alone with two young kids. I was 10 and my brother was 6, and so we decided to get a dog. We knew that we wanted a big dog, but something that would be gentle with my brother and I. After a few weeks at looking at shelters, we took home Rocky. He was nine months when we took him home and already pushing 70 pounds. We believe he's a German Shepherd mixed with some sort of northern or mountain breed. We aren't sure to this day, but he's a massive red-colored dog with a long black muzzle and ears, a fluffy tail that he carries over his back, and a white stripe up his nose. It wasn't long, too, until he was 100 pounds and an absolute force to be reckoned with. Even though he was very gentle with both my brother and I, loved our cats, and was a big ball of joy around anyone that we brought into our house, he tended to be very territorial and aggressive with other dogs, and very protective of us, especially of my mum and I. Once, the electric company came to do some work on the telephone poles on our property, without telling us first... And after 20 minutes, they finally had to call us because Rocky had them trapped in their truck and was jumping up and barking at their windows. I doubt that he would have really attacked them if they had gotten out of their trucks, but it was more than enough to make them think twice. This protective instinct came in very, very handy one particular day. 
It was summertime, my dad was at work, and my mum was home with my brother and I, since she was a teacher and off for the summer with us. My mum was working in our garden and my brother and I were just playing close by with Rocky watching over all of us. Rocky all of a sudden sounded the alarm, throwing his head up in the air and barking and howling. He makes a sort of deep woo-woo noise and I looked up to see a dirty white pickup truck pull off the main road and into our driveway. This wasn't necessarily alarming at first as people sometimes use our driveway to turn around when they get lost. The white pickup slowly ambled up our driveway and I could see something strange in the bed. It was lumpy and discolored but I couldn't really tell what it was until he pulled all the way up into our house where our other cars were and honked the horn to get our attention. It was meat. Giant, red chunks of meat with some of the limbs of various animals still attached to it. It was uh, the creepiest thing that I've ever seen in my life. Just a, a grisly, scraggly man in his early 50s driving a pickup truck full of meat in the southern July heat. I immediately just got a a really, really bad vibe from this guy and I remember my mum telling my brother and I to go inside and we did but watched out the glass door. Rocky had surprisingly been quiet up to that point but was now next to my mum and she had her hand around his collar. The guy rolled down his window and asked my mum if she wanted to purchase some meat but my mum said no and to please leave our property. Instead though, he went on about the different types of meat and asking how much we wanted beef, venison, pork, etc. My mom asked him to leave again, but instead, he decided to get out of his nasty white pickup. As soon as his feet were on the ground too, Rocky went absolutely ballistic, barking and snarling and carrying on. This finally made the guy stop. He looked at Rocky, looked at my mom, and asked, Oh, does your dog bite? And my mom deathly serious replied only if I tell him to the guy took one more look at Rocky and I'm guessing decided not to mess with the giant snarling beast he got back in his truck backed up and headed back down our driveway now I don't know if he was really selling the meat or not but apparently he'd been around to our neighbors who also had just gotten a really bad vibe from him We'll never really know what he was really up to with those giant slabs of meat in the back of his pickup truck. Maybe he was just a weird guy trying to sell some sketchy meat. Maybe he was looking for something else. But we never saw Meat Man, as we started to call him, again though. Rocky is still kicking it by the way. He's almost 15 actually and completely deaf, but he's still out in the yard on summer days, always watching over all of us. So, I've timelined and tried to write everything down that I remember about these experiences to give me a bit of a guide when writing this. But it all started from when I was very young, and the first instance of this happening was when I was living with my grandmother. Her and I were very close. This will play in later. I was wide awake in bed, unable to sleep with her to my right. There's no doubt in my mind that she was deeply asleep, only a few inches from me. Every television in the house was off and the only other person in the house was my grandfather asleep in his room. Then, very clearly and also really loudly, I hear my grandma call from the kitchen. 
It was almost as if she was calling me for dinner, it was that loud. I know it's common to hear your name being called mistakenly, but I did more research on this as a teen, and apparently when you hear your name being called this loud, you're supposed to reject it. I didn't at the time. Not knowing this, I just huddled closer to my grandmother and kept my eyes locked on the open door. The second instance was probably around when I was 13 or 14, when my father took me on a family trip to Las Vegas. We visited some part of the Grand Canyon, and while my family was waiting in line for a Skywalk bridge that we had paid a tour for, I wandered around the edge a good distance away from my family and decided to yell my name into the canyon to hear my echo. When it came back to me, it sounded sort of distorted and almost like grandmother had yelled my name back. It may not have been my grandmother exactly, but it was eerily similar for some reason. Nevertheless, just the fact that it was distorted was enough to scare me a little. I don't really put much weight into this particular experience because it might have just been my voice being thrown weird, but I just thought that I should mention it. But this next one happened when I was 13 or 14 as well. It's the most terrifying one that I've had, and every time that I tell this story to people, I start to cry or even tear up a bit. This is the closest that I've ever been to whatever this is, and proves my point that it's mimicking people that I care about. So I was on vacation with my family in Key West and had rented a home. I invited my best friend, who we'll call Ash, to stay with us. On the third day, we had decided to skip out on the boating trip and mooch off of the house's owner's Netflix all day. On about the fifth episode of what we were watching, we decided on a snack refill and a bathroom break. So we paused the television and I make my way to the kitchen. I believed that Ash had followed me into the kitchen, I think, and leaned on the island while I prepared some chips with my back turned to her. I held a full conversation with her and even looked back at her on her phone. I fully had no doubt in my mind that I was talking and looking at Ash on her phone. She was even holding it in the specific way that Ash does. I turned my back for a split second to pick up the bowls and suggest that we head back to the couch when I see Ash, or the real Ash anyway, walk out of the bathroom which was a solid 30 feet away. My body immediately went cold. And the first thing that I asked her was how she got to the bathroom and in and out without me hearing like that. She then gave me the weirdest look and told me that she'd been in there the whole time since we got up. This is where I start freaking out and insisting that I had just been talking with her and even physically saw her. She joked about doppelgangers and how maybe she was going to die. I quickly suggested that we get out of the house and walk around the neighborhood... She then informed me that she had gotten her period while she was in the bathroom the same time that I was talking to whatever I was talking to. And then we walked around until my mum called me that she was back in the house. We're still best friends to this day and have been for 11 years now. I asked her about it today before I wrote this as well. And she said that she didn't hear me talking with anybody at all the whole time that I was apparently out there. Now... At this point, you guys must think that I'm crazy, I know, but for this next one, I actually have a witness. Honestly too, I felt like I was a little crazy after it happened with people who freaked out as much as me. But again, I was on vacation near the Great Smoky Mountains, just uh, a little west in Tennessee though. We had our previous reservations cancelled, so we took this little rundown cabin owned by a local woman. 
We got there late at night, and the moment we all stepped out of the car, the first thing that we heard was a man's voice saying, Hey neighbors, coming from a cabin to the left of ours that was higher up on the mountain that we were on. We couldn't see the cabin really, just a, a road that led further up, so we assumed that he could see us, but we just couldn't see him. Probably some guy on his balcony, right? Well, my friendly stepdad yelled a hey, and he waved up towards the direction that it came from. It wouldn't have been that weird if this didn't happen every time that we stepped out of the cabin or the car. And my family completely wrote it off as some type of hospitality that we're not used to in Miami. Retelling it though, my brother and my friends agreed that it was a bit weird. And I did hear constant footsteps around the cabin at night, and some outside my window too. It was a raised cabin, so probably a, a story or two off the ground. But I don't give it much thought, since wildlife is a thing in the woods, and it's just something that I thought that I should mention. But the thing that really propelled me into researching what the heck was happening to me was when I was having a photo shoot in the woods behind the cabin, and both my brother, sister, and I too heard something calling my name deeper into the woods. Since I was with my younger siblings, I went into full big sister protection mode and almost threw them back into the little slope that we had to climb to get into the woods in the first place. We were all just crapping ourselves from how clear it was and how we all pinpointed it was coming from deeper in the woods and nowhere near the cabin. This was during the day too and we were all so thrown by this that we just stayed in for the rest of our trip. We all agreed though that it was a woman's voice and the first thing that I asked my mum when we got inside was, did you call me? She had been lounging in her room with my stepdad all day, trusting that I could take care of the younger ones just outside the cabin. She saw how freaked out the kids were though and we just didn't really go out at night for the rest of our trip. I think that I reacted so badly to this one mostly because, well, I had kids to take care of and I could tell that they were terrified out there. Again though, the voice sounded like somebody was looking for me or calling for me back somewhere. But with no knowledge of what this could have been though, I had finally decided to look into things when I turned 17. I had no previous knowledge of wendigos or skinwalkers or anything cryptids, only ghost investigations and Zach Baggins making something out of a scratchy EVP or something like that. But to be quite honest with you guys, I'm just sort of desperate for answers now because at this point, I'm constantly thinking about it and driving myself into rabbit holes of information and myths and legends just trying to figure it out. And if you've listened this far, thank you for listening. I know that I'm not the best storyteller and recounting may not be that good, but I was trying to get everything and all the details into a cohesive manner. But please, do let me know if you guys have any thoughts or ideas about what this all could mean. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, 
which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. I'm going to start by saying that this was a widely publicized case, so a few details will be changed. But I can assure you that the main part of this is definitely accurate. So a few years ago, I worked at a popular hooker lounge in my town. We had many regulars, so of course I got to know many of the people there, and made some lasting friendships with a few as well. Among those regulars was a group of people that I wasn't terribly fond of, except for one girl, Rachel. Rachel was a kind girl who I would enjoy talking to. I just didn't approve of the people that she hung out with, or the decisions that she made. But it was her life, so what place did I have to say anything? Eventually, Rachel started dating another regular named Ben, who was a part of my friend group. This is when I got a lot closer, and she started trusting me and confiding in me. Eventually, Rachel and Ben broke up, and it devastated Rachel. I clearly remember her messaging me to hang out and her crying on my shoulder for about half an hour. During their relationship, Rachel stopped hanging around the shady people as much, but of course, afterwards, she went back to them and started partying a lot and doing who knows what. She stopped talking to me as much and eventually started dating some other guy in the shady group named Greg. Of course, that relationship went south due to reasons unknown to me, but Rachel ended up filing for a restraining order against Greg. In a few days, I think anyway later, Rachel went missing and was actually never heard from again. It was truly awful as well. Her family started showing up to talk to me, asking if I'd seen her. I hadn't, but apparently someone told them that she was seen downtown somewhere. Honestly, it broke my heart as well. One day, during a busy shift, someone we both talked to sometimes showed up and talked to me about Rachel's disappearance. His name is P.O.S., POS told me that he'd heard about her being seen somewhere and wanted to know what I knew about it. He even asked me if I'd heard if anything had happened to her. I'm assuming that he thought since I worked at a regular hangout spot of hers that I would have heard something. I told him that I hadn't and that we hugged before he walked off to talk to other people. Months passed before I heard anything about Rachel. Her family showed up from time to time asking about her but nothing changed. But around a year after her disappearance, the police had a breakthrough in her case, and her body was actually found. After some investigating, the police discovered that Greg had actually hired POS to kill Rachel, and he did. He hid her body and continued life as usual. But the fact that I spoke to POS after the fact, and even hugged him, just still weighs on my conscience. It's been years and I'm still really upset about it. He's in prison and I'll likely never see him again, but it definitely still hurts. I spoke to her family about her, having hugged the man who killed her. I wish that I had been a better friend to her. Maybe I could have saved her, who knows. Maybe I could have insisted that she didn't hang out with those people. I don't blame myself for a murder or anything, but... I do wish that I could have done something. Had I had been a more insistent friend, then maybe she would still be here. Who knows? 
All I do know is that if for whatever reason I ever do see this guy again, it won't be a good thing for him. That's for sure. This happened when I was about 11 years old. I lived in a typical North American suburb. I was out riding my bike and had some money in my pocket. My brother was at home and was actually a little sad that day, so when I heard the distant tune of Do Your Ears Hang Low, which was clearly from an ice cream truck, I sped on my bike to track it down and buy some ice cream to take to my brother. I finally caught up to it as well. The man in the ice cream truck looked different than the old man who we were used to in the neighborhood. He was early 20s, frizzy, Napoleon Dynamite-esque hair, before that movie came out by the way. And oddly, this van had no markings. It was clean and looked like the same model as any other ice cream truck. Even had the loudspeaker on top, but even to my 11-year-old self, it was odd enough for me to be a little bit hesitant. I asked if he had the SpongeBob ice cream and the Gumball eyes, my brother's favorite, and he said that he didn't know all the ice creams that he had in the back, but I could go and check. I hesitate for a moment, and he says, Look, man, I'm kind of in the middle of the road. I have to move. I'm going to turn up here, and you can climb in the back and pick an ice cream if you want. He pointed left down a street that was being developed, but there were only unoccupied in progress houses with dumpsters in front and construction equipment everywhere. I definitely didn't want to go with him down that cul-de-sac where no one could see us. So, in the end, I just ran. I dropped my bike. I still wonder why I didn't just jump back on the bike, but anyway, and I ran maybe a quarter mile home. I immediately told my mum and dad who were sitting on the porch what had happened. My mum calls the cops and my dad gets into his car to find that van. I chill in my room and I tell my brother my story. My dad actually finally found this guy as well at a neighboring pool parking lot where he was trying to lure two preteen girls into his van with the same tactic when a concerned citizen sitting in their car in the parking lot blocked the exit and also signaled a cop. In the end, I guess nothing came of it because when I try to Google my town and keywords that could have pertained to this incident, nothing ever really comes up. I'm not really traumatized at all by it, but sometimes I do wonder how things would have ended up if I could have simply been a dude trying to make some extra money on the side, but who was too lazy to get up and get the ice cream myself. I'm not traumatized by it at all, but sometimes I do wonder how things could have ended up. I mean, it could have simply been a dude trying to make some extra money on the side, but who was too lazy to get up and get the ice cream himself, sure. It could have been a dude who simply got thrills out of scaring kids, but it could have also been much worse than that. My family still thinks it's funny to hum the tune of Do Your Ears Hang Low when I'm around. I find it humorous, I must admit, but still. It was a, a bit of a scary moment and something that I don't think I'll ever forget. Growing up in the 90s, my mum was always very protective towards my sister and me. Most of the time it seemed to us like just overkill, like we were sheltered girls. But there was one incident from my childhood that makes me glad that my mum never dropped a guard, even once. So I was a preteen, probably 10 or 11 years old. 
My mum and I had finished doing some shopping at Sam's Club and we'd stopped at a Wendy's for an early dinner. To my eyes, nothing unusual had happened. We stood in line and ordered, we ate and then we left. We were walking in the parking lot and almost had made it back to the minivan when my mum said, sort of loudly, that she should probably go to the bathroom before driving home. I remember thinking that that was a bit weird because, well, we weren't that far away. I was just old enough too that sometimes if my mum had to run into a store briefly, like less than five minutes, she would give me the keys and let me sit in the locked van and just read. The back windows were tinted so it was hard to see if someone was inside and she would always rush through her business and come jogging back to the van to minimize the time that she had left me alone. So I just asked her if I could have the keys and she said no. She thought that I ought to try to use the bathroom too. I remember telling her that I didn't have to go and through gritted teeth she told me to try anyway. On our way back into the restaurant we passed a middle-aged man. He was a bit dirty looking as if he'd spent all day welding or working on cars perhaps. He was of an average height and thin and had longish grey hair. Nothing about him was remarkable to me and he only made brief eye contact with us as we turned around. He was heading to a pickup truck parked in the front of the lot while we were parked more towards the left side of the building. When we got back inside, my mum didn't head towards the bathroom though, but instead led us to a table where we sat down. Uh, mum, are we going to the bathroom? I asked. No, my mum said, but we're waiting here until that man leaves, that one over there. She was talking about the man that had walked behind us, heading to the red pickup truck. Aside from the grime, he didn't seem too weird to me, so I thought that my mum was making a snap judgement. Why? I asked. I kept catching him staring at us in line, she explained. He would look at you and look away and look back and then he left right after we did. It just didn't feel right, okay? And I'd rather be safe than sorry. I told her that I didn't see anything and asked if I could get a frosty while we waited. My mum was looking down into her wallet to see if she had the cash for my ice cream when that red pickup truck rolled by the front window impossibly slow. The man in the driver's seat was turned so his shoulders were almost square with the restaurant as he passed, looking in. His eyes sought us out inside and found me. I will never forget the full bore of his eyes as he stared at me for the whole length of his passing the window before accelerating to normal speed and driving away. I'm 33 now and I still get chills when I think about that day. The man's stare, and in particular, the way my mum checked her mirrors for a red pickup truck. A whole ride home. So, this is going to be about all of the paranormal activities that have occurred in my house. I just really need somewhere to share all of this, because I'm just going to go insane otherwise. So I'm 16 years old and I'm turning 17 in about two weeks. My family, me, my mum and my sister, used to live in a different house before our current one. My dad died about seven years ago and it was just us for about a year. Around some time in 2014 though, my mum met a man, his name was N, and he became my stepdad about a year later. 
He has four kids from his previous marriage. They're W, A, J, and E. Our previous house was getting too cramped, so we all decided to build a new house that could fit all of us. The house got finished right before New Year's going into 2017. The land that we built it on used to be a farm and is basically in the middle of nowhere. Back in 2017, we only had around two or three neighbors, but now we have like 20 plus. Now, this house has always just given me a bad vibe, but the paranormal activity didn't start until around the end of May last year. I had seen a lot of videos on YouTube, specifically Sam and Colby, of people doing seances with spirits, and needless to say, I was very intrigued. I wanted to try it myself. I didn't have a Ouija board, but I did have some candles, so at around midnight on my birthday, I went down to my basement, which is pitch dark, and I lit some candles. I arranged them in a pentagram style, and I started to talk. I was asking all of the cliche questions, like, is anyone there, and are there any spirits that would like to contact me? After about 10 minutes of silence, I started to get discouraged, and I just gave up. I went to go and blow out the first candle, but was interrupted by a scooter being dropped on the floor. The floors in my basement are stained concrete floors, so this made a really loud noise. I was instantly paralyzed in fear. I couldn't move for about a minute. After a while, I chalked it up to being a coincidence, blew out the first candle, and as soon as I blew it out, the same scooter picked itself up again and fell down again. At this point, my adrenaline kicked in and I booked it for the light switch. As soon as I turned on the lights, a wave of relief washed over me. I picked up the scooter and carried it to the garage, then went to blow out the rest of the candles, but when I got back to the candles, all of them were already blown out. Quite honestly too, I think this probably scared me the most because I know that I didn't blow those out and I remember them being lit right before I turned on the light, which means that the wind from me getting up and running definitely didn't blow them out, and the AC wasn't on at all as well, and it still bothers me to this day. I told my friends the next day, none of them believed me, except for one, my friend Y. He dabbles in stuff like this too. He does tarot cards and does all sorts of paranormal stuff, he said too that the next time that he was at my house that he would do a ritual to find out what was in my house. And the next time something happened was on November the 2nd in 2019. This was the day a bunch of my buddies came over for a guy's night. And since my house was supposedly haunted, my friend, L brought a Ouija board too. Unfortunately, I couldn't make it to the guy's night to do the ritual... But that morning, when I was cleaning up in the basement, which is where the party was going to be, I heard a commotion from upstairs. I was home alone though, but I didn't think too much of it, since my cats like to chase each other a lot, and I hadn't had any paranormal activity for a long time at this point. But when I got back upstairs, I noticed that one of my blankets from my room was now in the hallway. This actually scared me a bit. And as I approached my room with a kitchen knife, I noticed a sudden drop in temperature. The thermostat said it was 68 degrees Fahrenheit, but it honestly felt like it was about 30. I thought that somebody had broken in my window and I just left it open or something, but I was dead wrong. I turned the corner to find my door closed, 
which was odd since I never shut my door unless I'm sleeping. I open my door though and it looks like just a bomb has gone off in it. Almost everything in the room is overturned and it looked as if somebody had broken in. My lamp was on the ground, my pillows and blankets were scattered randomly, my computer monitors were laying down on my desk. Thankfully, my bookshelf was tied to my wall, which most likely saved my TV in the end. I wasn't nearly as scared though until I noticed that my window was completely untouched and remained locked too. Then I noticed that none of my stuff was actually stolen, and there was a rotten stench that had not been there before. I searched the entire house for an intruder, but came up with nothing in the end. There was no way that someone could have broken into my house, because they just wouldn't have had enough time to get out without me finding them. The time between when I heard the noise and when I walked upstairs was only a mere 90 seconds. Nothing in the house had been stolen, and only my room had been wrecked. The smell soon disappeared before my parents got home, and they didn't believe me when I told them. My friends believed me because I showed them a picture I took with my phone. Later that night, after hours of playing around, we decided to play the Ouija board in the end too. I can't remember what time it was exactly, but I'm pretty sure it was around 3 in the morning. All of us, except for two of us, gathered around the Ouija board. Since there were so many of us as well, only around four of us could play at a time, and the rest had to just watch. While we were playing, a tennis ball got tossed at us in the direction of the two friends that weren't playing. We asked them to stop, but we were chilled by their answers. One of them was actually asleep and got woken up when we asked him to stop, and the other was scrolling on his phone and literally had no idea what we were talking about. We eventually got into a conversation, though, with an active spirit that called himself QT. He said that he died in 2013 and knew one of us there. Everybody was confused though since nobody there knew anyone who had died in 2013. Well, except for me. My dad died in 2013. I remember that I read somewhere on the internet that after somebody dies, their spirit can become confused and can have sort of semi-amnesia. We started asking him more personal questions, but he kept on focusing on me. He said that he was my dad. This made me stop playing immediately, so we said goodbye to the board and we put it up. That basically just sort of killed the mood for the rest of the night too. We all decided to go to sleep though since one of our friends was sick and nobody felt like doing anything else. Everybody else fell asleep with ease, but that night I, I just couldn't sleep. I couldn't stop thinking about that spirit and if it actually was my dad trying to contact me. I realized that it was probably just a spirit that was feeding off my emotions. As I was dozing off, I hear a sound too that honestly made my stomach sink like a bag of bricks. It was the sound of a tennis ball being tossed at me. Each time it hit the floor, my stomach pulsed and it echoed in my ears. It slowly made its way towards me and came to a halt as it hit my leg. I was paralyzed in fear. Every part of me was telling me to get up and run out the door and run as far as I could, but I just couldn't. I could move my toes and fingers, but nothing else was budging. I forced myself to go to sleep in the end, which was difficult. I asked everyone in the morning, and my friend sleeping next to me said that he had heard it too, but he just thought it was one of my other friends pulling a prank on us. 
All of my other friends denied ever being awake and said that they didn't hear it. I can still hear the booms of that tennis ball hitting the ground to this day though. And ever since that day, little things have been happening that I just can't explain. So around five months later, we had another guy's night. But luckily, Wyatt was there to do the ritual this time. After a couple of hours of recording a guy's night EP, we decided to goof off until it was about three in the morning again. Most of our friends are not believers and I completely understand their reasoning and no shame on them at all. But when 3am rolled around, me, Wyatt and a couple of my friends gathered around the Ouija board. I cut out a piece of paper that looked like, sort of like a doll I guess, while I poured salt around the board. He then said that there was one more ingredient, blood. We were all shocked when he started looking around for a knife too and we tried to stop him but he was just too quick. He grabbed a pencil and slightly cut his wrist. He squeezed out some blood onto the salt, then started to whisper some sort of a chant while putting his head down on the board. Me and my friends were really just frozen and sort of freaking out. We'd never seen him do something like this. and Nothing he ever did indicated that he was ever interested in this sort of thing. But he said that he had done this a million times apparently and to relax. We ended up trusting his word and went along with this ritual. We burned the paper doll and all had to say something that we'd keep secret our whole lives. Then we apparently contacted a spirit on the board. The spirit said that our ex-best friend, X, would be in danger and we would end up saving him. We all decided to take this to heart and let him back into our lives. This prediction has not come true yet, but it may have been a metaphor or something. Who knows? I can't really remember the rest of the night and all of the photos have been deleted off of my phone. It was only a half a year ago, but that's one of the only things that I remember from that night. Since that night though, I've been having these really vivid dreams. I'm not talking about deja vu dreams, I'm talking about like real dreams. For example, I had a dream about an entire day, like a 24 hour dream. I woke up, followed my morning routine, went to school, had practice and went home. But when I woke up from my dream, I was a bit weirded out because the whole thing felt like it was real. But the worst part is that everything played out exactly how it did in my dream, including every single conversation, pretty much word for word. I aced the assignment in math, I skipped notes in science and history, and I led the conversation in English. And that whole day went exactly how it did in the dream, with pretty much every single detail. It was weird because it was sort of like I was predicting the future or something. Every once in a while, something will happen that will shake me like radios going off in the night or unexplained footsteps. Lately, there's been a concerning amount of activity as well. The other day, the power went out at our house and I decided to play piano in our basement. I propped a flashlight up on the music stand towards the ceiling so it could illuminate the entire room. All was going well until the flashlight was completely tossed off of the stand. It must have been around five foot off into the air from the music stand before it started to fall as well. As soon as it hit the ground, the power turned back on. I realized what had just happened and man, did I freak. I ran upstairs and told my sibling and parents, but nobody seemed to really believe me again. But whatever this thing is, it's starting to become more and more aggressive too. 
The past few nights, too, I've been having the same real dream. In the dream, I'm playing piano in the basement. I'm playing one of my original songs until I hear a noise coming from the bathroom. It's crying. I can't tell who it is because the cry is never the same. The cry will be feminine in one moment, though, and then in another it's a grown man. Then it's a child. I don't want it to hear me, so I slowly tiptoe to the bathroom. And on my way there, I stub my toe on the cabinet. As soon as I do... The crying abruptly stops. I make my way over to the bathroom and open the door and when I do, a shadow figure emerges from the bathroom and wraps its shadowy arm around my throat and I'm dragged into the bathroom with it. And as soon as I'm dragged into the bathroom, I am always jolted awake. To be honest too, I didn't think too much of it until I found myself playing piano last night. So I was working on one of my original songs when that dream came to mind. I remember everything vividly and then I heard a horrifying sound. I heard that same crying coming from the bathroom. Adrenaline rushed through my body and my stomach sank as I came to the realization that I was reliving my dream again. I got up and I grabbed the guitar that was right next to the piano I knew it couldn't be my siblings because I could hear all of them walking upstairs. I made sure not to stub my toe like I did in my dream and I stopped in front of the door. It took all the strength in my body to wrap my hand around that handle. The crying continued to wail out through the basement until I turned that knob. It almost seemed as if the door handle was a switch or something too because the moment that I turned the handle the crying stopped. I gathered all of the courage left in my body and I swung open that door. I clutched onto the guitar and prepared to swing at the figure when I realized that there was nothing in that bathroom. I quickly turned on the lights and I searched the bathroom but it was empty. A wave of relief hit me once again and I just slumped over against the wall. I didn't have any energy left in my body and I was sweating like I just run a 5k marathon. I just sat there in that bathroom for about 10 minutes and then I got up and left. I came upstairs and found my siblings watching a movie that they had just started. So I sat with them and I watched the movies because I just didn't want to be alone. I stayed with them until the movie was done and at that point I had gathered enough courage to be on my own. I said goodnight and eventually I went to bed. It was only 12 or 12.30 but to be honest I didn't care. I was exhausted and the entity or entities in this house are definitely becoming more active. My sister seems to think that this whole thing is in my mind playing tricks on me but I don't know. I think that I know the truth. I don't know how my house is haunted since we built it ourselves but it is. Maybe the land is cursed or something, or maybe it's the Ouija boards, but I don't really want to find out anymore. I'm about to be a senior in high school, and after I graduate, I'm going to try and get out of here as fast as I can. When all of this started, I was excited to have ghosts and spirits in my house. I mean, I was really curious, and I wanted to know more and see more. But now, I just dread this house. 
It doesn't help too that I'm forced to be in this house at all times due to the quarantine at the moment. I just want away from this whole ordeal. G'day mates, it's Bee Buster here. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Be Scared podcast. And please, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss next week's episode too. Also, it would be much appreciated if you could share this new podcast with your friends and family and on social media too. Thanks again for listening, guys, and I'll see you mates in the next one. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.